there, but we are in a week number three. We have one more week of the sermon series. We, we started a few weeks ago called Not Today, Satan. And all I've done is I said, hey, let me share with you a couple areas that maybe Satan is working in your life that you don't even know. That maybe he's gaining influence and access into your life that you don't even know. So you remember a couple weeks ago, we started with you know, watching the way you, you, you verbalize, watching what you speak. The Bible says the, that the words you speak have the power of life and death. And so be careful what you speak. I told you, Satan can't read your mind, but he can certainly twist your words. And so he has an ear tuned to hear the way you speak. And so I said, be really careful the words that you're speaking. And so last week, we, we kind of dealt with another area of, of, of talking, which was, was gossip, which, by the way, I thought it was ironic that we talked about gossip, and then we had one of the most gossipy stories in the history of the world about Joel Olstein's church, right? And, and by the way, what I say is, okay, if we're going to talk about him, how much have you given, right? Because if you haven't given, then you should probably shut up. And so, uh, but that's just my opinion. But I saw so many people, even in my church, are like sharing. I'm like, we just talked about gossip, Last week, like we just, it's true. I, I told you before, just because it's true doesn't mean you need to be an idiot. And so, like, that's, that's kind of where, where we landed with that. And so we talked about gossip, and I said, listen, that destroys churches. It's the, it's the number one tool of the enemy. And actually, a gossipy tongue proves you're not saved. It's just, it's just the reality. Like, there is, there is not a Bible verse in, in that says, hey, it's okay to gossip. It says that you'll be judged for every idle, gossipy word that you speak. And so I said, man, be careful because you're being used by Satan in that area without even maybe knowing it. And so we talked about gossip. Next week, I was going to talk about lust, and I, and I think I'm, I'm still going to you know, get to that topic coming up, but I really feel a strong pull to talking about lying and integrity. And so because I think you're never more like Jesus than when you're a person that keeps their word, and you're never more like Satan than when you're a liar. The Bible says that his native language is, is deceit. It's being a liar. So we're going to take a look at that because if we're truthful, we lie all the time. Like we, lying is almost a necessary sin in our culture. So we're going to take a look at lying. Today, we're going to talk about the topic of offense, uh, of offense. I'm, I'm offended. You ever been there? Like, I didn't get the invite to that party. I'm offended. You don't feel like, you feel like somebody overlooks you and, and that you do something nice for them and they don't really pay attention to what you, you did. So you're, you're, you're offended. You never get to pick where you eat, so you get offended. You, you feel like you're never heard, so you're, you're offended. You, you don't like the way someone's tone is with you, so you get off- offended. They don't say thank you or acknowledge that you did something nice. We, we live in an offended culture. We're offended by statues. We're, we're offended by each other's colors of each other's skins. We're offended by our political views. We're offended all the time, and all the time we're offended. We just live in an overly offensive culture you know what you don't typically hear and i want to really talk to christians i don't culture when you're they're offended they're just acting like culture i want to talk to the church and when i preach a message i'm always talking to the church right because the change always starts inside god's house and so i don't know the last time that it's been said of me or maybe you hey that christian never seems to get upset they, they never, no matter what is thrown at them, they seem like they have this immense measure of peace and patience. I don't know the last time I've heard that said about. Like, they just, they're just always cool. Somebody can cut them off. Somebody can walk right past them when they're holding the door open. Somebody can do something that is completely offensive. And it's almost like they're not even paying attention. It's almost like their eyes are fixed on Jesus, that they don't even have time to fix their eyes on other people. It's almost... 
It's, it's almost like the peace that surpasses all understanding is actually inside them, and it's not just a quote on their coffee mug. It, it, it's almost like the fish on the back of their car actually makes them drive with an awareness of the person that they claim to follow, which I don't even know what the fish means, but that's another story, right? That person never gets offended. Like, I, I kicked them, and they were cool with it. I spit on them, I lied to them, I did all these things, I backstabbed them. And that guy, because they're so close to Jesus, that girl, they're just, they're just cool. This is a, they don't say that about Christians. We are offended about a Starbucks cup. We are offended about everything. Like, we are offended that, that this person didn't do this, and that person did this, and this president's not doing this for us. And we are offended uh, about everything. And I thought about it. How many times could have Jesus been offended? Like, all... The time. His, his family made fun of him. They, 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 they mocked him. You're just Jesus, dude. His own family like, questioned who he was. Why do you think you have this authority? The town that he went back to that he grew up in, he began to read the scriptures of God under the anointing of the presence of God. And they mock him and go, he's just a carpenter's son. I mean, if there was ever a time to be offended... It would be that. His own disciples. He says, hey guys, can you pray with me for a little bit? It's going to be kind of a rough couple days for me. I could use the support of the guys that I've spent the last three years with. Pray for me. He goes away to pray. He comes back. They're sleeping. I mean, if there was ever a time to be, oh no, you didn't, Peter, right? If there was ever a time to write him out of his, like, he should have been offended. But the Bible says that he had what I would call an unoffendable spirit. Here's the problem with always being offended. You ready for it? An offendable spirit is an unmendable spirit. An offendable spirit is a spirit where Satan can bring all sorts of confusion and anxiety and a lack of peace. It is impossible for God to bring peace when you're carrying offense. It's impossible for him to, to, to calm your anxious heart when you're walking around in offense. An offendable spirit is what I would call an unmendable spirit. And, and, and the Bible says in the last days, it's going to be like this everywhere. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24. He says, at that time, in verse number 10, many will turn away from the faith. Many, many, many are going to depart from the faith and will betray and hate each other. It's just going to be kind of par for, for the course, Right? And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In the last days, people are just going to walk around with what I would call an offendable spirit. You are constantly offended uh, by something. And here's the opposite. When you live above offense, and, and here's the thing, you don't ever have to be offended again. Do you want, like... Offense, we're going to talk about it today, is optional. The fact that we say we take offense means that you don't need to take it. If I hand you something that you don't like and you eat it anyways, it's not my fault you ate it, right? If I hand you something, you're on a diet, and I say, hey, you want this, and you eat it, you can't blame me for eating it. You're the one who keeps eating it. The Bible says we have the spirit of self-control from the Holy Spirit inside of us. So that means that we don't ever have to take something that's bad for us again. And the cool thing is when you get an unfendable spirit, it becomes what I would call an unbendable spirit. When you learn how to walk above a fence, it actually enables you to, to live an unbending life where you don't wake up and go, this person is what the reason my life is so messed up. 
I mean, the, the definition of our culture right now is somebody else out there is the root of all my problems. It's not me. I'm not the reason I'm failing. I'm not the reason I don't have what I need. I'm not the reason I don't have the food. I'm not the reason I don't have the house. I'm not the reason there's somebody in my history that has offended me, and they are the root of all my problems. And there's a lot of people in this room that you still live there. My life is what it is, but it's not my problem. It's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's uh, doing to me. Somebody else has, has hurt me, and God can't get you where he wants you to be because you continue to stay in, in, in that uh, offendable spirit. Here, here's what I want to establish as we kind of get going into four things I'm going to talk to you about today. But I need you to understand that anger, that's going to happen sometimes. That's an event in your life. That, that's something that happens to you. You ever been there? Somebody does something that makes you angry. Offense is a destination. There's a difference. Anger is an event. Offense is a destination. It's what happens to you when you decide to stay there. I actually read something this week online. It said, it said what if you had $86,400 and somebody stole $10 from you? Would you get mad and be like, I'm just going to get rid of the rest of the money? Yet many of you do that with your life. You have 86 1,400 seconds every day. I believe that's true. I didn't, I didn't Google it or do the math, but <laughs> if somebody takes 10 seconds of your day and ruin them, you give them the rest of 86,390 seconds of your day, and you go, you have it all. I mean, we're going, no, I would never do that yet when you take somebody's offense. Anger is something that happens to you. Offense is a decision to stay there. Offense is your decision to say, I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you the goodness of my day. I'm going to give you the purpose of my day. I'm just going to hang out here in the filth and the throw up that you decided for me. And nobody is going to go, yeah, I want to do that. Yet we do it all the time. And so let me kind of give you four steps to understand with with offense. Four four, uh, kind of things you need to grasp a hold of because some of you are constantly dealing with this. There's going to be people, if you wake up in the morning, there's going to be somebody there to offend you. If you come to church and you look out, I look out right now. There is somebody offensive to me right now that I'm looking at in Limerick. And so, like, there, <laughs> right? Like, it's just the way it is. We, we, we are good at offending each other. We, are, we have our, our fence mechanisms turned up all the time. And so let me give you four things. And I just titled it, Being Defensive with a, a, Offense. Like, 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 understanding it and, and taking control of it. Number one is this. You need to understand that, that when it comes to offense, it's just a trap. It's just a trap. Many of you don't recognize that. You know, I think maybe we need to make some commercials. You know how like, like the tobacco industry, they have those, those big tobacco commercials where they're trying to kind of attack the tobacco industry and make us aware of you know, how dumb they think we are by selling us this product that can kill us. There was just one I watched this week that, that it was kind of a background of a study that the tobacco industry did on how they were going to get uh, men and women of the military addicted to them. And, and they, the commercial actually said they're not as smart as most people. And it, they're an easy target for us. So when you watch those things, what happens? You're like, I'm not taking this crap. This is poison to my, my, my physical body. It's bad, right? Like, it's a, it's a trap. out. That's what those commercials are designed for. This is what this message is designed for. I want you to realize that Satan, the Bible says, is trying to trap you in, in, in offense. That, that's what it says in 2 Timothy 2. It's a prayer from the Apostle Paul, and he says that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. That they would come to their senses and they would escape the, the trap of the devil. In other words, offense is a trap. I don't know if you've ever seen Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, something like that. You guys remember those cartoons? And then he would put that box up on the, on, the, on, on the ground and then he'd have a little stick. 
And then inside the box would be a little string with a little carrot on the end of it. He never caught Bugs because Bugs Bunny is the, is the star of the, of the show. We got some issues with that. But he would attempt to catch him. When it says, when I'm saying say, like, like offense is a trap, the actual word for offense in, in the Bible is, is that carrot on the end of that line. That, that what it's trying to convey to us is you need to be careful because you're about to grab the carrot. And when you grab the carrot, it's going to cost you because it's going to trap you in something you don't want to be in. It, it, it's going to trap you. And, and here's what happens. We get it because something somebody says to us. Something, you said what to me? Something somebody doesn't say to us. You ever notice that? It's not just what somebody says to us. It's about what somebody doesn't say to us. You, you, didn't, you didn't talk to me. You didn't look at me right. I didn't see you. Yes, you did. I saw you see me. I was in your body. I saw you see me. <laughs> That's how we are. You didn't, you didn't talk to me right. You didn't look at me right. You talked to me wrong. And I saw the way you were looking at me. Like we get offended about what others did to us and what they didn't do for us. Like there's things that we get offended by and Satan ties this little trap and he puts this little rope inside and he puts this little carrot and we go, you said what? And you pull the box and all of a sudden you turn around and you are in a, in a prison of offense. He, he's trapped you. He's trapped you into a couple things. He's trapped you into a lifetime of what I would say resentment, uh, unforgiveness, hatred. These are things, just so you know, when, when when you're living in resentment, that's causing distance between you and your Heavenly Father. When when you're living in unforgiveness, listen listen to this Bible, or there's a Bible verse that says, as you forgive uh, your your, your others, this, this is the wrong Bible verse, don't put that up yet, but as you forgive others, so your heavenly father, they forgive you. Like there, there's, the, 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 if you don't forgive others, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like it's impossible for, for us to have that type of relationship. And so what happens is you get offended, you get trapped, and all of a sudden you're walking around in resentment, you're walking around in hatred, you're walking around in unforgiveness, and all of a sudden you, you, you're, you're stuck. This is what Satan wants. He's laughing going, idiot. You took that, you, you literally, you took that bait, you pulled that carrot, you fell for that again? It, it, it's, it's a trap. I love what it says in Psalms 119. It says, those who love your law have, have great peace. And I love this promise. It says, and nothing will cause them to be hurt in their spirit. There, there's something worse than, than a physical ailment. It's, it's a spiritual ailment. Because no doctor can heal that. No pill can help you. Make that go away. There's nothing anybody can do for it outside of the forgiveness and grace of Christ. But when you hold on to the carrot, you can't possibly hold on to your Savior. When, when you grab a hold of resentment, it's really hard to continue to pray uh, favor and grace and understanding and forgiveness for other people because you're so busy, trapped in offense. So number one, you need to understand, it's a trap. The next time somebody says something to you, the next time somebody looks at you, the next time somebody cuts you off, the next time, just remember, there's a box there, there's a string tied to a, to a, 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 a stick, and there's a carrot at the end, and you have a choice. Bro, I don't even like carrots. It's like a fisherman. The fishermen, when they throw stuff out, they don't just throw a hook out. They put something on there that's, that's going to entice you. Throw it out, and they, Satan is just fishing to capture you. All day long, did you hear what they said? Did you see how they looked at you? 
You should be offended at your parent. They didn't, they didn't parent you the same way as your, as your brother got parented. He had it so much easier. You should be offended at your kid. They don't, they don't, they don't respect you, all the things you've done for them. He throws it out, and you're swimming, swimming around, and all of a sudden, it's a trap. You're being led around by offense. You can't even hear the voice of God because you're so busy hearing the voice of offense, and your, your spirit, the Bible says, is actually hurt. Here's another thing you need to understand about offense. Not only is it a trap, it's tricky. It's tricky. You know, maybe you don't know this, but you need to understand Satan is an opportunist. He listens for the way you talk. He also watches the way that you respond. Satan is an opportunist. He listens for the way you talk. He, he also likes to watch the way you respond to certain situations. Many of you have been married for a lot of years. You know what I'm talking about, about knowing the person that you're around. You know not just the, what they're saying, but you know their demeanor. You know what I'm saying? You ever get in the car with your wife and they don't have to say nothing, but you know you're in trouble? They look out the window. They're not looking at anything. They're just mad. They won't even look over at you. You're like, here we go. Or, or they don't say no words. They just, huh. Anybody, like maybe your husband does it, I don't know if you do, man, you got problems, but maybe you do. That's how it was, and you know there's certain things that your wife is communicating to you without even saying anything. Same thing is true of Satan. He's an opportunist, so not only is he listening to how you talk, he is watching how you respond. He's seeing how you respond when you get stuck behind a car that's driving five miles under the speed limit. Don't you think it's ironic you keep getting stuck behind that same car? Everybody drives slow in Pennsylvania. Do they? Or have you just vocalized that, huffed and puffed, and Satan goes, here's, here's, here's grandma, right? And you're yelling. You're yelling about them driving slow. You're yelling about how they don't go fast enough. You get to work. Every annoying person always finds you at work, don't they? Do they? Or... Or do you go to work and huff and puff and every time it happens, you take the bait and all of a sudden there is no purpose to your day because you are so busy gossiping at the water cooler and talking and making plans and drawing on your notebook about how you are going to get them back, right? That you don't even have an opportunity to pray with the person or speak words of life or to share the word of God that hopefully you've read at some point in your Christian walk. Because you've taken the bait and Satan knows. All I got to do is send them Sister Martha, you know, Jojo, whatever, every day. And just send them in. Let them say something to them. Let them take their food again. I put my name on took my food uh, again. Let them cut them off in line. Whatever it looks like, Satan is an opportunist. And he knows, wow, that continues to work for them. So I'm going to keep doing it. You see, Satan fishes with bait that you're attracted to. Because some of you are like carrots. I can't relate with that. They're nasty, right? He doesn't, he doesn't fish or set a trap with something that's not going to lure you. He finds what you're hungry for, and he fishes with that. Every great fisherman, and I am not one, knows if you're trying to catch a fish, you should probably figure out what's going to entice the fish. If you just throw a hook in there, let's say you're trying to catch bass. I don't know what they eat, right? But you decide you're going you're gonna to put a cracker on there or a carrot or something like that, and you throw it in, the little bass is just going to swim right by, right? He's not going to stop. But if you throw, what, I don't know what they eat, fish or, or a worm or something like that, you touch a worm and throw it in there, the bass is going to be open to eating it because that's what they're hungry for. And so Satan is going to look for areas in your life where you're hungry, 
And he's going to attack you there. That's why he came to attack Jesus in the wilderness. He came when he was starving. He came when he was weak. And he tries to entice him. And here's the thing, the cool thing about offense that we're, that's clear is since Jesus overcame offense and Jesus overcame temptation, that everything that's inside of Jesus is also inside of you. So the excuses of why we're taking it, they go away because the Bible says greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. But what happens is because you're not spiritually strong, because you're not who you're supposed to be in Christ, because you're not maturing in Christ and realizing, <laughs> I see what you're doing there, Satan, and I'm not going to fall for it because you keep falling. He keeps going, what are you hungry for? There's two areas that I, I tend to get offended in my life that I, that I think that, that he attack, attacks me because he knows I'm hungry. The first one is in the areas of insecurity. In- insecurity. You need to understand, we often take offense when we are most unsure of ourselves. We often take offense where we are most unsure of ourselves. When I first started this church 25, or when I was 25, 12 years ago, you know, I was offended by everything because I was very insecure about what I was doing. Every time somebody left our church, every time somebody questioned our church, every time somebody mocked our church, I got offended. I walked around with an unf- offended spirit. There was not much peace in me. But as I'm 37 years old, I'm very much uh, working on becoming secure in what God has called us to do. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I believe in what God wants to accomplish through our church. And so it's very difficult. I still got to work through. Sometimes I want to punch somebody, but I'm just, that's another, that's another sermon, right? And so... But I still work through it, right? But there's very little times that I, I, I give to somebody. Maybe I get angry, but I don't stay in that situation and go, well, I'm just going to be offended at them because I'm now working on becoming more secure in who God has called me to be. And so if you constantly get offended, it's because you're insecure. And here's the thing that you need to understand. It's like a girl that dates guys to become more secure. It never works. If you're an insecure girl that looks to guys for security, you're just going to go from one guy to the next. And when you're insecure, that is dog bait, just so you know. That, that will attract dogs to you. And so the same thing happens in, for Christians. If you're insecure, there's nobody out there that's going to go, man, they're just going to fulfill you, make you feel better, complete you. There's one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And until you get secure in Jesus Christ, offense is going to attack you, and it's going to come in the form of areas where you feel insecure another thing is this is oftentimes uh we, we we take offense where we have unrealistic expectations unreal we take offense when, when we have unreal unrealistic expectations with other people i see this often with with parents and kids and kids and parents like like literally there's got to be a time in your life when you're a parent that you take your your your, your kids and you push them away out of the nest, not, not physically, but there needs to become a time in your kids' lives where they realize that you are not there to complete them, and you can't define them, and you weren't perfect. We know that, parents, and you have done plenty to, to, you know, to orchestrate the need for counseling in their lives if they want, but at some point, they have to stop uh, re- relying on you for, for their worth and for their identity, and they need to start realizing that Jesus Christ is all that they need. And what happens is because there's so many unrealistic expectations, we tend to get offended with each other all the time. We, we, you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you didn't say this, and you didn't, you didn't recognize when, when I did this. And we oftentimes see that, and Satan goes, this is great. There's a little bit of offense for you. And not only is it a trap that, that ruins families, it's a trap that, that creates unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and all those things. It's also, it's also tricky to see. Number three is this, that you need to understand. Offense comes with strings attached. Like the little fish swims up, and no little fish ever, ever says, I'm going to eat this worm 
knowing that this thing is going to get hooked into the side of my gums and my lips and they're going to kill me. Skin me alive, take out my heart, and kill me. They just see the worm. They just see the thing they're hungry for. They just see their next meal. They just see their next opportunity. And, and, and it's too late by the time they get there. They clamp down. They realize there's an invisible string attached. And the fisherman pulls them out. And they die. Like that's, that's what happens. And we need to understand that offense, it comes with, with strings attached. It has deadly consequences. Let me show you how, how it happens. Taking offense leads you to being offended. Being offended is the fertilizer that, that grows something the Bible calls bitterness. And bitterness is poison to your soul. It's poison to your soul. In fact, it says in Scripture in, in Hebrews 12, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. I like that. The same grace of God that you claim to have, you can't let anybody fall short, short of that. You're setting the perimeter, the bar of it. Then it says this, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That, that word bitter in the New Testament in Greek actually means poison. And I love what, what, what he says, the writer of Hebrews says, we're not exactly sure who it was. He says, he says, it's not only poison, but it's a poisonous root. And here's why. Because oftentimes the damage that's being done, you're not even seeing it until it's too late. It's attacking you at the very core of, of who you are. Not only is it a trap, and not only is it tricky to see because Satan is going to attack you where you're most insecure, where you have wrong expectations of people. You also need to understand, when you bite down on it, it comes with strings attached. Do you know what happens in bitterness? There's three things that happen. Number one, bitterness, it really hurts you. It, it really, it, it's like grabbing a broken piece of glass and squeezing it in your hand and expecting it to hurt somebody else. Bitterness will literally destroy your relationship that you have with God and other people. It will destroy you. In fact, I have met people that were bitter and they physically were getting sick. Like physically, their body was being harmed because of the bitterness, the, the pill that they decided to take. Not only does bitterness hurt me or you, bitterness hurts those close to me. Do you know that, that offense is transferable? That you actually can give the offense that you've taken and give it to your loved ones. That's what scripture says. That not only will, will it do something to you. But it will grow up and defile many. You ever come home. Somebody's cut you off. Somebody's talked negative about you. Somebody's leaving you. Somebody said something about you. You come home and one of your kids asks you a question. Right? Dad is this orange? No! And they're like. Back away from the crazy man. Right? What you just done? You've transferred your offense into their life. And now. Not only is it hurting you, it's hurting, it's hurting them. Not only does bitterness hurt you, bitterness hurts those close to you. It hurts those close to you. And ultimately, bitterness, it, 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 it hurts my relationship with God. It separates me from, from the purposes and plans that God has. Instead of concentrating on the good plan that God has for me, I'm concentrating on all the bad things people have done to me. We talked about last week, there is nothing that God wants to get into your life that any man can stop. Nothing. There is nowhere God wants to get you that any physical person on this earth can keep you from getting to. The only person who can keep you from getting there is you, and that's when you take your eyes off Jesus and you fix your eyes on, on man. In, in, in other words, I, I would say it like this, that man is too big many times in those situations and God is too small. So bitterness, not only is it, is it a trap, it's tricky. Uh, 
It stays with us. It's transferable. It's, it's all those things. Number four is this, is, and this is really important. And I want you to remember this as, as we close. You need to remember offense is your choice. It, it's, it's your choice. It, we've, been, we've been doing this since the beginning of man. Genesis 3, Eve tempts her husband Adam to eat the fruit. She says, it's really good, eat it. And, and so then he eats the fruit and God comes and says, Adam, what are you doing? And he says, it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> you ever been there? Don't ever do that. It's the woman. It wasn't my fault. You made her. Why'd you make her so evil? And we've been doing that since the beginning of man. I know it's a trap. I know it's tricky. I know it's going to hurt me. I know it comes with strings attached. I know all the things that you said. I know Satan is trying to get me. But you don't know how mean they are to me. You don't know how bad that look was. You don't know how, how offended that I was. You don't know how long I've been holding on to this. Like literally, there's some of you, offense is your pet. It's your pet. You wake up every day. The conversation that you have is dictated by your offense. When you sit with your spouse, you talk about how offended you are about, by other people. Literally, it's the beginning and the end of every day of your life. It's offense, offense, offense. I'm just going to talk about how offended that I am. And you are under the assumption that the reason you're offended is out there. And you need to understand that offense is, is your choice. That a spirit of offense will never let you go. You have to decide to let it go. The spirit of offense will, will never let you go. You have to decide to let it go. Don't we, aren't, we, don't, aren't we quick to run and hide and separate as if the problems of this world are not about us, they're about other people? Don't we do this all the time. We do this with our kids. Bull, somebody's bullying you. Somebody's talking bad about you. Somebody's doing this to you. It gets difficult at school. We'll just move you somewhere else. Put you in a bubble somewhere. Kids are mean at school. Whatever's going on. Our first reaction as parents is always go, well, I'll save you. Not understanding that at some point, if you want them to make a difference in the world, you got to teach them to live in the world, not of the world. Just at some point, that has to happen. At some point, they need to learn that it's okay to be different. In fact, if you're going to be a Christian, you can expect to be different for the rest of your life. That's good preaching right there. Some adult needed to hear that. It's okay. And the earlier that you learn that, the better that it is. The earlier that my kids learn, we don't do what everybody else has done. We don't watch what everybody else, has, else watches. We don't spend our money the way everybody else spends th their money. We don't spend our Sundays the way everybody else spends their It's okay to, to be different because we're going in a different direction than most people. And so it's, it's okay, but what do we want to do? We want to take them away. We want to clean them up. We want to separate them with this big bubble. Make sure, this is what we do in our own life. Here, here's the answer to be offended. I just won't talk to you anymore. You are dead to me. Which, personally, that's the option I like to take, right? It's not in the Bible, though, so can't do it. I'll go to a different church. I'll move to a different city. I'll go to a different planet. Like, I will loot. Listen, I will lose your phone number. That's how I'm going to separate and I'm not going to get offended anymore. Here's the problem. You're going to get offended again because everywhere that you decide to go, you're still going to be there. And, and you are the problem. Can I say that again? I, if I am getting offended, I am the problem. In other words, you need to understand that being offended is not about people, places, or problems. It's about you. Offense is not a problem with the person. It's a personal problem. So here's what you do when you, when you, when you get offended, knowing 
life is 10%, what happens to you, 90% how you respond, right? You, you raise what I will call your spiritual altitude. I've taught you this a few months back. You, you raise your spiritual altitude, and it will adjust your attitude. What, what do planes do when they get in turbulence? They don't go, let me just run through here even more and scare the crap out of all the 200 passengers back here. We're just going to ride through. What do they do? They, they rise. They, they see the turbulence coming, and many times they'll go, we're going to adjust our altitude, and all of a sudden it's not going to be such a bumpy ride. The turbulence is still there, but I'm just living above it. The annoying people, guess what? They're everywhere. The drivers, they're everywhere. The kids at school that make your kids mad, everywhere. The teachers that don't listen to the way that you think they should teach, even though you've never been to school before, they're everywhere, right? The people at work, no matter what company you go to that don't say thank you, that eat your stuff when you take a Sharpie and put your name on it, right? That kind of stuff, they're everywhere. And so instead of just, I'm just going to go through, right? You won't raise your level of spiritual altitude. All of a sudden, it's gonna, it's gonna. I don't even, I don't even experience it anymore. I don't even feel. Yeah, you're still annoying. Yeah, you still drive me crazy. But my eyes are so fixed on Jesus, and my attitude is so different. I don't give you that power. I'm not gonna fall for that again. I know it's a trap. I know Satan is going to continue to attack me where I'm insecure and I have false expectations. And so what I'm going to do, instead of fixing my eyes all over the world, I'm going to dig deep. Like, I I want that kind of church. I want to be that type of Christian where instead of me always assuming the problem is outside, most of the time I look inside first and I go, God, what do I got to do to change? God, what do I got to do to go to a new level? God, what do I got to do to become more mature? God, what sacrifices do I need to make? God, what things do I need to let go of? God, where do I need to walk in forgiveness? Because bitterness is creeping in instead of me fixing my eyes outside instead of me worrying about what Joel Olstein is doing with his money in his church and instead of me worrying about what this president said instead I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to raise my altitude of my spiritual life and all this or my altitude and all of a sudden my attitude in life is going to change nobody can take my power nobody can have my day nobody gets a chance to ruin my, my, my driving guess what Slow drivers are everywhere. And if God wants to keep me slowed down, he's probably saving me for an accident. Saving me for an accident. So I'm just going to chill right here. I'm going to put a little wrap on. I'm just going to chill, right? I'm going to spend some. I get, I get an extra 25 minutes with my son today that I'm never going to get back again. Right? He's going to have a meaningful conversation about something that's not bodily fluids, right? Like if you raise your altitude, all of a sudden your attitude with everything changes. Offense is a trap. You're not seeing it because it's tricky. You need to understand that when you, when you take it, it comes with strings attached. That your life, the rest of your life is being led around by somebody else. That the problem is not out there. That the problem is in here. Some of you, you don't know the peace of God because you've never experienced the person of God. His name is Jesus Christ. He gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. You, you shouldn't have peace. Bad stuff has happened to you. Damage has been done to you. People have tried to take stuff from you. People have spoken negatively about you. But when you come to Christ, everything about your old way of life, it can change. And you, be, you can become a brand new, new person. And what you were supposed to be no longer has to be true of you. Because now you have a new relationship. And you're a new creation. And you have a new purpose. And you have a new plan. But you can't make that change. You can't go that direction until you, until you stop looking outside of yourself and going, Man, the answer to my life is out there somewhere. People would just treat me better, talk to me better, respect me more. Then I would have more peace. No, no, no. The answer is right here. His name is Jesus. It's who we worship. It's why we're here. It's what we do at the end of every service. I'm going to have you stand in one moment here. 
And just so you kind of understand how we're going to close this thing out, we're going to leave in a couple minutes. But at the end of every experience that we have, no matter where we, we go, we come back to, to the beginning, and that's to a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we share the words of God, the reason we trust the words of God is because the Bible says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. He rose from the dead. He accomplished the work of salvation on the cross. And when we come into this place, we understand how much he loves us and how much he wants to do, uh, how much he wants to do through us because we trust, trust his love. And when you trust his love, you begin to listen to his word intently. And his word, the Bible says, has life. So when we preach, we bring every message back to Jesus, everyone. Because he's good. And he loves you more than you can imagine. Maybe you're here today, your marriage is falling apart. There's an addiction that's gripping your life. There's pain that's unspeakable. I'm not trying to lessen your pain. I'm just trying to tell you that you don't need to live with it the rest of your life. I'm telling you there's something greater for you. His name is Jesus. And so what scripture says is when you come into the presence of God and you begin to hear the the truth of his scripture, the love of his son, something will begin to happen in your heart. When I I experienced it, it was like a burning in my chest, a knocking almost. It was just this immense, I could just feel something changing, something being drawn. Like I, I can't explain it. And the Bible says in that moment, as Christ is opening up his hands to you, he's offering you salvation that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, that you're a sinner, that, listen, the problem's not out there, the problem's right here. That I need a savior. That I'm not a victim. That greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. That no weapon that was formed against me, nothing Satan meant for harm is going to harm me. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And in that moment, you confess with your mouth and you believe you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that the Bible says in that moment by faith you receive the gift of salvation and you are saved. Your sins, the things that you brought in here, the mess that you made, your past, they're forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And when you pray that prayer, you leave a brand new person. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you brought into this place, no matter how many mistakes that you made, there's something called grace that the church gets to offer and we get to celebrate it. And so I'm going to ask you to stand all over these houses.